decent Christian crowdy. It's like, that's not what the verse says. It's a divine invitation from the Lord that in the presence of my enemies, that when he comes knocking, it's like, oh, it's just you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm too busy enjoying Jesus to come down and fight you. And I want you to put your hand on someone next to you. Because I tell you, the kingdom of God is at hand. And often it's just the slight shift of perspective. Friends, I read the end of the book. <laughs> it says we win. I mean, my book says he's a defeated foe. If he's a defeated foe, I'm not going to bother too much fighting him with my sword. I'm going to get out my fork. It's like, ah, it's time to eat me some more lamb. It's time to have me another, it's time to have me another feast on the word and get obsessed by Jesus once again. Amen? I, I, want you, I want you to pray for the person on your left and right that this is just going to be a fresh season of just being obsessed by Jesus. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's not actually very many places in Scripture where the Lord's in a hurry. Except when He wants His kids home. He runs to the prodigal son and where he wants to fill his kids. And he comes into that room like a mighty rushing wind. I want you to pray right now. I want you to begin to lift your voice. I want you to begin to pray for one another that there be a mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. Just pray that God would fill them afresh, that they would be so obsessed, that they would be so possessed by Jesus that they'd just be a fresh and filling. Just tell them to put their, put their sword away and get your fork out <laughs> and begin to eat and just begin to drink and just begin to share Jesus. Just be, ask for a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. Pray now. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on, let's just take a couple of minutes. Let's just lift up our voice. Just ask for a fresh and filling. A fresh and filling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have got to stop thinking and start drinking. Just take a big drink. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come in this place with a fresh and filling of your power. Father, where there's tiredness and where there's weariness set in, Lord, that refreshness would come, that you would come like a mighty rushing river and that you'd flow in us and you'd flow through us. Lord, that we'd go from this place tonight refreshed by the power of your Spirit. Lord, that weariness would be broken off. Father, as we lay down our swords and we pick up our forks and we say, ah, it's just you. I'm going to have another feed. I'm going to feed on Jesus tonight. Come on. Come on. Can we lift, it, lift them up one more time? Can we just one more time? Let's just let's sing something. Let's just get our eyes off our problems. Get them on Jesus just for a second. Don't worry. Your problems will be there tomorrow. <laughs> 
but right now, get it, get, hold your fork up. Lift your fork up. All right, why don't you turn to someone, give someone a hug, bless someone, give someone a squeeze, squeeze some Jesus into them. Thank you, worship team. Bless you guys. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? You know, I I spend a I spend a couple of hours in my my room this afternoon. I my brother lives in Upper Hart, and I caught up with him and his wife and. I spent a couple of hours in the room this afternoon just enjoying, just, I was just walking around the room just enjoying Jesus and praying. And I was kind of praying about tonight. It's like, God, well, you know, like I had something on my heart. And I kind of felt like the Lord is like, ah, I don't want you to preach that. And I'm like, oh, but I like that message. <laughs> and I just really felt like he just laid some stuff on my heart that I want to share tonight. And just a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this this morning, but just a couple of weeks ago, the, um, uh, the, we had a craftsman in our house I call him a, tra a craftsman because he's just exceptional. And uh, he came in and he fixed it. And he just turned to me one day and he said, I got a word for the Lord for you. And the word of the Lord is this. If revival's not your responsibility, then whose is it? And I tell you, I feel like I've been whacked in the stomach. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a, you know, and I don't just take it as a me word, though. I take it as a me word. It's, an, it's a this generation word. And I haven't, I haven't come, I, I'm not praying for revival. I decided many years ago, I'm just going to be revival. And that's the way I'm going to live, is I'm going to live in the overflow and be the revival that God's called us to be. And so about two weeks ago, when he told me that, I really began to say, God, you know, like, okay, four months is up. You know, I'm ready to do something. I'm going stir crazy around the house here doing, doing nothing. It's time to, to do something. And he, and he said to me, he said, I want you to... I want you to um, serve the church, but pour your life out for the healers. And I'm like, well, God, what does that mean? You know, I'm sorry for those that were here this morning. I'm repeating a little bit of this. So I reached out to four friends that I know walk in just most unusual miracles in New Zealand. One of them is a truck driver, and he literally sees miracles every day, just ministering to people and reads their mail and ministers to them and sees them healed every day. And I reached out to him. He says, Big, 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 scary Samoan guy. He's, you're not going to refuse him if he asks for prayer. And if he asks to pray for you in the street, you're not going to refuse him. Like, he'll, he'll chase you down. <laughs> and uh, so I reached out to him and I said, look, I, this, is, this is what I feel like is on my heart. And uh, I, I just, you know, because the Lord also told me, he said, I want you to go home and be the best father you can be. And I knew that he meant to my daughter that lives with us at home. But I also knew that it meant something way greater than that. And uh, so in the last couple of weeks, I reached out to him and he responded and he goes, I'm in, you know, thinking we're just going to sit around my fire and eat lamb and eat Jesus and talk Jesus and just have fun together and strategize how we can take this nation. And, and so he forwarded it to a friend who forwarded it to a friend who forwarded it to a friend. And as at this afternoon, we've got 310 people that have responded to me saying, I burn for that thing. I want to be a part of it which now represents over 200 churches over the nation. And uh, so we've got a slide up here. And if this is what you burn for, that you just burn to see a healing revival sweep through this nation, like you just burn healing, right? You just burn healing. Like, I want to see 
miracles in this nation. I want to see miracles through me. If that's your cry, then I just encourage you to go to uh, releasethehealers.nz and, uh, and sign up on there, and you'll get a welcome email, and uh, you'll get an invitation to join a Facebook group. And, uh, and it's not, this is not just a Facebook group. You know, I hate Facebook groups. I'm in hundreds of them that do nothing, right? And uh, so this is not just a Facebook group. This is just a means of communication, right, the Facebook group. And, and you will not get into the Facebook group unless you go via here, right? Because what happens is that you invite someone to the Facebook group that has no heart for it, and they just go in there and be a Pharisee and create trouble, right? So <clears throat> we, we make everybody go through... Uh, sign up on here, releasethehealers.nz. It'll take you 30 seconds to fill it in. Uh, you'll get an uh, invitation into the Facebook group as a ways of communication. And i got one mission, is to take this nation. I want to see this nation taken with the signs and wonders sweep across this nation that would see the most unusual miracles that we've ever seen. So you burn for that, That's uh, then jump on right there. That's where it starts. And we have our first gathering on the, I think it's the 13th of August, and then we're going to look at beginning to, because we've got so many people that have reached out, it's way beyond where I thought it was, is that we're going after the 13th of August in Auckland, it'll be a, a national gathering, and then we're going to begin to break that down and begin to do regional ones. And we've been talking this afternoon about having our first regional one right here in, right here in Wellington in October. So we, we look forward to that. But I, I want to talk to you tonight about... <clears throat> I want to talk to you tonight about being obsessed by Jesus. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a preach. It's just I, want to, I just want to give you a few thoughts that are kind of like sitting on my heart a little bit. And then we're going to minister to some people. And I, I just got a heart. I just want to see people healed. I just want to see people healed. And there's a, an interesting passage in, in the, book of, uh, the book of Mark. And it says, it says this. It says... <clears throat> in the wrong chapter. Uh, Mark chapter 5, and it says this. Um, it's the story of the demoniac. And then they asked him, what is your name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And a large crowd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, and all the demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. And there were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down, down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And it says here, uh, where's the verse I'm looking for now? It says, um, uh, where it says, do not, do not torment us. I find it a fascinating passage because for too long, the church has treated the enemy like he's the tormentor. The devil is not the tormentor. A believer that knows who they are is the tormentor. He's the tormented where the tormentor. And a, and a Christian that knows who they are and can stay in the place of peace in the face of trial becomes the tormentor of the enemy. I tell you, the enemy hates a Christian that can stay in the place of peace regardless of what they face. And it says this, it goes on to say this, it says, I find this a 
very fascinating passage. It says, And they came to Jesus and saw the one that had been demon-possessed. Now, the one that had been demon-possessed, in verse 5 it says, that night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. It says naked there too somewhere, I think. Running around naked. Running around naked, crying out in the, around the tombstones, right? Acting like a demoniac. He encounters Jesus. I mean, there's lots of things I could point out of this passage. First, nothing can stop you coming to Jesus. There is nothing that can stop you worshiping Jesus. And so he comes to Jesus and he implores him, do not, do not torment me, Jesus. Right? It's like, ah, there it is right there. Jesus is the tormentor. We've got it all wrong. We're the tormentor. He's, the devil's the, the tormented. But here's the thing that gets me. Verse 15, And they came to Jesus and saw the one that was demon-possessed who had had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Some of you got that. <laughs> like, they're not afraid when he's naked. Running around howling in the, at the graveyards at night. They're actually afraid when he's in his right mind and clothed. And I, I began to read that, and I'm like, I'd never seen that before, that... They're afraid when he's in his right mind. Now, this is the way I read the Bible. I read the Bible just, I ask myself questions, right? I have a lot of questions. And uh, this is the way I read the Bible. It says here, he's naked, right? They find him sitting and clothed. I'm like, I wonder where he got his clothes from. These are the questions I ask myself, right? I mean, he's like, one minute he's naked. The next minute he's clothed. Did he just pop down to Hallenstein's and pick up some jeans? You know, it's like, I don't think so. I think that the Lord clothed him with an apostolic mandate. He says, now you go tell your friends about the great things that you've seen and what you've done. Like, go heal, go heal the sick. But this is, this is the bit that really gets me. They're not afraid when he's naked. They're afraid when he's, in the right, when he's in his right mind. And I, I believe that there's a move coming across this nation where New Zealand is going to so fear the Lord because of, ex, of his extreme goodness. And that's only going to happen through believers that are going to rise up to understand not just who they are, but whose they are. I want to see outstanding, outstanding miracles in the marketplace. It's like I'm not against miracles in church, but it's got to get out of the church. A few years ago, Bill, Bill Johnson is obviously a father in my life, and I have two, two main fathers that I just so highly appreciate. It's Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, and I'm actually, I'm actually looking at doing... I've been invited into a master's program to go on to do a PhD with, uh, with Dr. Randy Clark, and, which is amazing because I left school the day I was 15. I don't even have a, a bachelor's, and uh, they've invited me into this program, so I'm just going look to go, looking at going that, that way of doing, doing the master's in theology and ministry and then look at to going on. Could you just could you imagine this, Dr. Gore? 
I mean, this just got a ring to it. I want to see healing revival. That the world begins to fear him because of the extreme goodness that's displayed through the life of the believer. See, I want to... There's a couple of interesting passages. These are not necessarily thoughts in order. They're just some thoughts that are sitting on my mind. It says that... So I'm saying that Bill and Randy are fathers of my life. And, and Bill, Bill took me aside a few years ago. It was probably maybe, maybe 10 years ago now. And he said this to me. He said, he said, Chris, he said, have you ever wondered how much more could happen through you if you stopped using faith for healing and started using faith to recognize the one that lives in you? And I'm like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of a profound thought. You know, it's like, what if we stop using faith for healing and we use faith to recognize the one that lives in us and the one that we live in. And I, I began to go through the scripture, and there's, a, there's an unusual scripture, and it says this. It says, Jesus couldn't do many miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief, except where he laid hands on them. And I, I realized that laying hands on people was perhaps Jesus' secondary anointing. So what is his primary anointing? Being so obsessed with the Father, because he's at union with the Father, that where he goes, that people just get healed. What if it's actually easier than we thought? What, what, what if we became so obsessed by Christ that when we walk into a place, that people just get healed because you showed up. Because you walked into a room and something shifted because you are so obsessed by him that you walk in and someone's like, oh, my, my, my tumor just fell off. Now, we kind of we laugh at it. And, oh, yes. It's like, no, I think it's possible. Because the woman with the issue of blood Jesus is going from one city to the other, and the woman comes up and touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and she's healed, and Jesus stops. He didn't stop to heal her. She was already healed. Jesus stopped to get the testimony. I, I think it's entirely possible that if we are a generation that becomes so obsessed by the answer, we're going to begin to see things happen. In, 2000 and, uh, in 2018, I was, uh, some of you may have heard this testimony, and I had also put a continuation of it on Facebook uh, this week, I think it was, at the beginning of the week. And, uh, but in 2018, uh, here, let me just back up one step. I'll come back to that. Galatians 2.20, it says this. It says, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. Now, I, I, I know I'm about to say something that's very, very politically incorrect. Okay, I understand. So, I mean, this, I got a complaint about this last week. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> this is, really is politically incorrect, and it's probably insensitive, right? <laughs> Particularly when I sit in Christchurch, right? It's no longer I that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. 
So what do you think Christ came to do? Did he come to save you? Save you? Or did he come to kill you? I think he came to kill you. He came to kill you because his death is your death and his resurrection is your resurrection. See, through the cross, and here's the point, I was really, really insensitive, and I'm saying this because it's not streaming. Perhaps the cross is the greatest mass murderer in all of history. <laughs> it's no longer I that lives. So what happened at the cross? The I became we. The number one question I get, why don't I see miracles through me? The answer to that is very easy because you think it's about the I in you, but according to Scripture, there's no I in you because the I became we, because you and him became one. You are at union with the Father. You're at one with him. Separation from God is an illusion for the life of the believer. See, we come back to the point that Bill said to me. What if we began to use faith to recognize the one that's in you and the one that you're in rather than faith for healing? Are, are you with me? So I go, we, I don't go anywhere alone. We go to Japan. And we're walking, I'm actually with the pastor, and we're taking a taxi to church to speak at a conference at 21st Century Church in Tokyo. Anyone been to Tokyo? It is just this massive city. I mean, it's just unbelievably big. And uh, we, we're taking a taxi to church. And the pastor says to me, Chris, uh, he said there's some road construction and the traffic just came to a halt and we're sitting, the, the tag's just ticking away. And he goes, let's get, out, let's get out and walk to church. He said, it's only like a kilometer away. And I'm like, okay, that'd be good. Right? Now, <clears throat> I, I, I fast 18 hours a day. Right? And it's not for spiritual reasons. It's just for good health. Right? I, don't, I have eating hours. My eating hours is 12 to 5. Right? I don't eat after 5 and I don't eat before 12. But I drink a lot of coffee. I've got to admit, I, I do have two addictions in my life. Right? Jesus and coffee. <laughs> I, I actually own the domain name addicted2.coffee. <laughs> just saying. I tried to sell it on Trade Me this week, but no, no takers. <laughs> addicted to, addicted to co coffee. And I, because I'm in Japan, my, my body clock's a little messed up. And I, I woke up really hungry, right? Because my body's thinking it's dinner time. And I woke up really hungry, and I'm like, I gotta eat. Like, I gotta eat. Now, I'm, I'm a coffee snob, right? I say that with great pride. I am a coffee snob, right? <laughs> There are certain coffee shops I will not drink coffee from, and I'm so thankful that they're not highly represented in New Zealand, right? I'm not going to tell you what it's called, but it's green. <laughs> and I'm walking, I'm walking through the streets of Tokyo, and I'm not thinking coffee, I'm thinking food, and I walk past the green store. And we walk up to the window, and I said to the pastor, I said, Pastor, I, I need food. I need food. And he goes, okay. I said, there's, you know, the green shops there. And I'm like, oh, let's see if they've got food. So I walk up to the window to look through the window to see if we can get some coffee. 
uh, food, soul food, and it has it has mirror glass, and I, I can't see a thing. The only way that I can see in the shop is by coming up against the window like this. <laughs> so I come now. I'm I'm quite an introverted person, so I come right up to the window like this, and I'm looking directly into the eyes of a woman sitting on the bar. She's directly on the other side, and I'm eye to eye, like 20 centimeters, like eye to eye, right? Now, I'm, I'm really embarrassed. It really, really did embarrass me. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I would hate her to think that I was checking her out, you know? <laughs> I want her to know I'm married, happily married, thank you, you know? So I said to Pastor, I said, Pastor, I said, there's a woman on the other side. And he goes, so? And I'm like, no, directly on the other side, like 20 centimeters from my eye, I'm staring at eye to eye. I said, I would hate her to think I'm checking her out. And he goes, I said, I have to fix this. And he goes, okay. He said, I'll come and translate for you. And I said, she ain't Japanese. <laughs> I said, it's a, it's a white woman. Now, that doesn't mean that she speaks English, right? I mean, she could be Swiss or German or whatever, you know. I said, I said but I have to go and sort that out. And he goes, okay, I come anyway. So we walk into the coffee shop, and I walk up behind this woman, and I tap her on the shoulder. And I said, uh, this is Tokyo, downtown financial district Tokyo. I said, excuse me. And she turns around, and she said, oh, well, if it isn't Chris Gore. <laughs> she said, Chris Gore in the middle of Tokyo. Now, now I'm really embarrassed, because I, I think that she doesn't think that I'm checking her out. I think she thinks Chris Gore's checking her out because she knows me. And I'm like, how do you know me? And she goes, I'm a New Zealander, but I live in the Northern Territories of Australia and I'm here on a skiing holiday with my brother and he's broken his foot and he's in hospital and I've got nothing to do all day, every day, except sit here, drink coffee wait for the medical clearance so we can fly back to Australia. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And she says, can you pray for me? And I said, well, of course, what's going on? And she said, I had, I think it was seven miscarriages in a row. She said, I just want babies. And I said to, you know, I said, God's desire, I, I'm sorry, I said, your desire is God's desire. What's your desire? And she goes, babies. And I said, well, let it be done to you. And I said, but your husband ain't going to get pregnant while you're in Japan. I mean, you're not going to get pregnant while your husband's in Australia and you're in Japan, that's what I meant. I said, see you later. Here's my email address. I'll wait to hear from you. That was in the morning. Nighttime comes, and I just preached a message on the woman with the issue of blood at the church, 21st century church in Japan. We leave the church, and the pastor says to me, I'm taking you on a special treat tonight. Now, he knows I, I like good quality meat, right? I told you this morning I ate Johnny and Sant Sally for my birthday. <laughs> I, I mean, I like good quality meat. And he drives me, he says, get in my car, 
And he drives me across town and we go to the genuine, I don't know if you have them here, it's the genuine Kobe steak. If you, you know, I'm not going to tell you how they make Kobe steak so tender, go read it up. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. They give them vodka and they make them mildly drunk so they can't walk, so they don't get muscle, so they just get fat and then they massage them and play the music and then they put them on your plate. So he pulls up in front of this Kobe Steakhouse, and I knew I was in a treat. I've always wanted a Kobe Steak, you know, like a genuine Kobe Steak. And he pulls up in front of the Steakhouse, and I knew, I knew it was like revival on a plate time. <laughs> we walk into the restaurant across the other side of Tokyo, and we walk into the restaurant, and it's a very, very, very exclusive, expensive restaurant. Right? We get placed in a private room, there's three of us eating. We have three waiters and two chefs for the three of us. And we're sitting in this, um, had a, he's on one side and a lady passes on my, my left and he's on my right and I'm in the middle. And the waiter walks in and takes the order. And the waiter walks away and he comes back with my steak first. And he puts my steak in front of me and he says, there we go, sir. You know, very high class service, you know, and he puts the steak down in front of me. It was like a seven-course meal, right? Every, every course was steak. Different, different ways of steak, you know. He puts his steak down in front of me, and I'm just thinking, oh! Revival <laughs> on a plate. The angels are singing, right? And I'm like, this is just awesome. I just can't wait to rip into this thing. And I hear the Lord say, would you join, would you ask the waiter to join you in the giving thanks for the food? Now, I'm not an evangelist. I'm more interested in eating my steak sometimes than, you know, like, it's like I'm just being honest, you know. But when, but when you're so obsessed by Jesus, more will happen through you by accident than what you intended to try and do. And I hear this little voice. Would you ask him to join you in the giving thanks for the food? And I'm going to be quick to obey. I was actually so fast to obey that I got it all around the wrong way, right? I just, I, 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 reach, I reach down, I reach across. He's on my left, and I, I just reach out, and I hold his hand, and I'm just holding hands with him, right? And he's, and he's looking at me like... I was going to say, I'm from California. This is normal. <laughs> I just hold his hand and I and he looks at me and he goes, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I just wanted to know if you'd join us in the giving thanks to the food. And he goes, <laughs> and I so I pray. And that was gonna be a quick prayer because I want to eat my steak, right? Father, thank you for this food, thank you for the restaurant, thank you for this waiter, in the name of Jesus. Right? It was it was about that quick, right? And I'm holding his hand, and he starts pulling my arm. My arm starts, like, it wasn't me manifesting, you know, like Pastor Seth does. <laughs> I've seen him. <laughs> I've seen those legs that don't work. It's like a puppet. <laughs> I mean, this guy is just, he is yanking my arm, right? I've got my eyes closed. And I open my eyes, and he bursts into tears, and he is wailing at the top of his voice. And he falls out under the table. And he's lying under my table, and he's going... 
And he's, and he's screaming out loud, like, and I didn't know what to do. So I just extended grace. Right? And I'm looking at the pastor as to say, like, is this normal in Japan? You know, like, and he looks at me as to say, we weren't talking, it was the eye thing, you know, and he looks back at me as if to say, you did it, you fix it, right? And I, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for him because I'm thinking, you're going to get fired, dude, you know, like, you're going to get fired, you know, like, that's not a way to behave in an expensive restaurant. Here he is, like, crying like a baby, you know? So, and so I've extended the grace a little longer, and, I, and then I said, I, I honestly, I honestly didn't know how to, how to finish it. So I said, in the name of Jesus, amen. And he's kneeling beside me, and I reach over, and I pat him on the back, and I'm like, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. In other words, go away. <laughs> I'm going to eat my steak, right? So he gets up, and you hear him cry the whole way to the kitchen, like wailing. And I turned to Pastor Isaac, and I said, Pastor Isaac, I said, uh, what do we do? You know, I'm looking for some great wisdom, you know? And he goes, whatever you do, you better do it fast, because he's coming back right now. He's behind you. And I'm like, hi. And I opened my mouth, and I said, he didn't know who I am, right? He knows nothing. I'm talking about being obsessed by Jesus. And I said, <laughs> did you need prayer for something? Really profound, you know. Did you need a ministry? Did you need me to pray for you or something? And he's like, yes. And I said, what can we pray for? And he goes, my wife can't conceive. Six years of trying. All as we ever want was a child, and she, we can't conceive. Right? It's not a her problem. It's a them problem, you know. It's not, sometimes we think it's just the lady. It's like, you know, it's a them problem. And he goes, we can't conceive. And I'm like, oh, come, come here. And he comes around to my side and I said, you, you know, my friend, I said, babies are God's idea. He goes, how do you know that? I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to say something else really politically incorrect, right? And I just, I don't care, right? Write to me and complain. It's fine. I'll delete it. <laughs> it's just the first part I told him. I didn't tell him the second part. He goes, how do you know it's... How do you know? I said, because the Bible says go forward and multiply. And this is what I didn't tell him. It doesn't say go forward and subtract. <laughs> Just saying. And he goes, does it say that? I'm like, your desires are his desires. I said, she's going to have a baby. She is? And I'm like, uh-huh. I spoke this morning about the boldness of prayer. The bold declaration, right? I said, she's going to have a baby. And he goes, she is? And I'm like, but not while you're at work. <laughs> I said, last time I checked, it needs an action. Get out of here. He, he walks me to the restaurant door. We'd finished our steak. We've, he walks me to the restaurant door, and he puts his arms out, and he goes, would you just hug me? And I'm like, of course, come here. And I gave him this hug, and he erupts into tears, sobbing. 
sobbing. And I said, dude, it's going to be okay. I said, here's my email address. Send me a photo of the baby. God bless you. I'll hear from you in a few months. Well, not a few. <laughs> Nine or ten, you know. <laughs> I do know something about babies. <laughs> I said, I'll, I'll hear from you soon. And I, and I leave. A few months later, I, I'm in, um, it was about 10 months later, I'm in Salzburg, Austria. And I get a phone call, uh, not a phone call, I get an email, and it's him. And he goes, I, I'm walking through the streets of Salzburg, Salzburg and it's like, I, it was a long night, and I was preaching at a Gothic Catholic church. And it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking home. And just, I mean, Salzburg's just so gorgeous. And I'm just walking through the shopping streets. I mean, they're, all the shops are closed. So I'm just walking through the streets, and my, I feel my email being in my pocket. And I open it up, and it says, Pastor, he said, my wife had a baby last night. And I'm standing in front of United Colors of Benetton. And I look up, and there's a baby pufferless Puff, uh, puffer jacket with sleeveless, no arms. It's took on the morning, it's closed. And I said to my friend, I said, I'm going to buy that and I'm going to fly to Japan and give it to him. I went back the next morning and bought it with some boots and I flew to Japan to give it to him. And I fly into Japan and when I land in Japan, I turn on my cell phone and as soon as I turn on my cell phone, it's the Australian lady who says, first email, bing, had a baby last night, here's the photo. Last Sunday, I was in Christchurch, and I was about to close the meeting. It was, it was a late night. We were about to close. And I said, I just had this overwhelming sense that someone needed to conceive. And I said, there's somebody here that needs to conceive. Where are you? I said, there's someone that needs to conceive. And, you know, I'm looking around. No one's responding. And then this couple put their hand up. Well, there's a lady and then a couple people and then a man, right? And they both stand up and I'm like, are you, are you husband and wife, you know, because they weren't together. And they're like, yes. And they said, we've gone through multiple miscarriages and we can't conceive. And I said, oh my gosh, I said, I got this crazy testimony to tell you, but it's too late in the night. So I'll share it tomorrow night but it's something that happened in Japan. And she jumps in her seat and she goes, that testimony that happened in Japan, that was my best friend. And she's right behind me. And the woman stood up and goes, that's me from the green store. <laughs> and she's holding the three-year-old girl. And she goes, and this is her. And she said, and I went on to have other kids and I now have a little boy, and he's the boy that's standing beside you on the platform. I saw this little boy wander up. He was like 18 months, and he's just standing, standing beside me. I had no idea who he was. It was just a boy who walked up on the platform. You know, it doesn't bother me if kids come on the platform. And she goes, that, that's my son. And I, I want to I pray for you tonight if you're here and you can't conceive. Is there anyone here that can't conceive? You want babies? Your daughter, stand up. Anybody else? Don't be shy. 
Okay, anybody else? Both of them. So I, the, the little boy now is, he's just turned three. He turns three in February. He's the steakhouse boy. I feel like I'm the godfather. I'm watching him grow up on Facebook. And I, I put this all on Facebook the other day, and he commented as well. And he goes, I remember, I'm from the steakhouse. I'm the steakhouse guy. You know, I'm like, I remember. I got something to tell you is that babies are God's idea. I, I don't apologize for this. I really don't. I'm after the sanctity of life. Babies are God's idea. God loves babies. Don't just someone just put your hand on them. Someone here, somebody here. Just put your hand on them. I, I, I want you to pray a bold prayer. I spoke about the boldness of prayer this morning. Decree it. Right? Elijah didn't pray hard for the rain to stop. He decreed the rain to stop. Right? Just pray a bold prayer. There's a man in Auckland a couple of years ago, and we did exactly this. He had two daughters. Neither of them could conceive. He just emailed me yesterday, a couple of days ago. Neither of them could conceive. This is probably five, six years ago. Neither of them could conceive. And uh, he said, can I stand for my daughter? I'm like, daughters? Of course you can. And he stood for his daughters, and they both conceived that night. They were both born within days. The, the two kids were born within, in each other. All right, bless you. You can sit down. We were on a flight from... Uh, Another trip to Austria, I was in Vienna. It was, it was a great meeting. Oh my gosh, it was like 500 people and 380 gave their hearts to the Lord that night. It's like, I think you've misunderstood me. I'm like, I have a translator. I'm like, I said to the translator, I think, you've, I think you've misunderstood me. I wasn't asking who wants more of God. I was asking who doesn't have God and needs God, you know. And he's like, no, that's what I said. And I'm like, say it again. And he, he says it again. He said, this is not a healing altar call. This is not an altar call to give more of God. This is an altar call if you do not know God. 380 people came forward. I'm flying home from Vienna. I'm sorry. I wasn't. We were. And the flight goes via, via Frankfurt. And I had this most unusual dog leg. I had to go from to Frankfurt, and then I had to go to Milan. And I had five-hour layover in Milan, and I had to fly back to Frankfurt for a 12-hour layover, and then on to Chicago for a five-hour layover. It took me 49 hours to get home, right? And I, so I called the airline, and I'm like, I don't quite know how this happened, but can I just cut Milan out and go straight to Chicago? And they're like, yes, of course, we can get you on the next flight, sir. And I'm like, just change the bookings. And they said, there's a change fee. And I'm like... Just charge it. And she goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yep. How much is it? She goes, 10,000 US dollars. I'm like, I'll go to Milan. <laughs> I flew to Milan. What do you do when you're in Italy and you've got five hours spare? Shopless. <laughs> you know me well. Coffee. I jump in an Uber. Travel an hour, like just take me to the best coffee shop, you know, and he drives me halfway across Milan to a good coffee shop and have coffee, drive back and fly out. On that, on that flight from Vienna 
to Frankfurt, right? I'm flying business class, but not on the leg, right? I'm in the middle seat. And uh, in, uh, in New Zealand, you do the same. You enter the, from the plane, from the front and the back often, right? But that's not how you do it in America. It's only from the one, one door. But in, in Europe, you come in from the back and the front. I come in from the front because I'm sitting towards the front, and a lady comes in from the back. Now, I don't like to talk to people on the plane, right? I'm not being... I need solitude, right? That's my recharge time. And I'll often put headphones in without it plugged in, just so people think I'm listening to something, so they leave me alone, right? I'm like, it's like, it's my dial out time. I just go into space and I'm just, just away with it, right? Often sleep or whatever. I put the earphones in and the lady comes in and I don't see her come in, she's just all, all, of, a, all of a sudden there. And I'm, you know, I acknowledge, I'm not rude, I'm like, Plane takes off, earphones in. We're about ten minutes from landing, and the earphones come out, and she goes, "So were you were you in uh, were you in Vienna on business?" And I said, "Yes." And she goes, oh. "She goes, uh, what business are you in?" And I said, "I'm a public speaker and an author." And it was, it was the weirdest feeling. I knew that she had, like, I could see it. Like, I wonder what he writes on. She, she, she ate this, the, the hook, line, the sinker, and the line, and the bait. You know, she, the whole lot went down, right? And it goes silent, and she goes, what do you write on? I said, ah, uh, the Paranormal. And she goes, wow. And she looks at me and it's like, I said, just, you know, weird stuff like that, you know. Supernatural. Divine manifestations of healing, you know. And she goes, wow. And I said, who do you work for? What do, were you in town on business? And she goes, yes, I'm a, I'm a merchant banker. And I said, really? I said, who do you work for? And she said, I'm, I'm not right now because I'm in a lawsuit with my company and I got fired and that's what the lawsuit's over. And I said, what happened? And she said, I, I walked into the office one day and some ice had fallen out of the fridge and I slipped on the ice, I flipped upside down and on the way down I hit the back of my neck on a table and I've blown out every single disc in my back. And that's exactly what I said, right? I don't say many words, but when I say them, they're very intentional. I went, ouch. That must hurt. What am I looking for? To see whether she needs healing. And I said, ouch, that must hurt. And she goes, you have no idea how much pain I'm in. She said, I've undergone one surgery, and I need a second surgery in the next few weeks after I get back to Chicago. I'm in pain. And I said, hmm. I said, do you, would you mind if we try something? And she said, oh, uh, you see fear flood her eyes, you know, like. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, if you, I said, I'm, I'm actually a physician's assistant. 
my, my bag's not here tonight, but on my name badge it says Chris Gore, and on the other side it says International Physician's Assistant. <laughs> on the leather strap thing on the side, you know, I didn't, I forgot to bring my bag in. And I said, so I, I'm, a, I'm a physician's assistant. And I said, but I promise you, I'm not gonna manipulate your, ne manipulate your neck. And she goes, okay. I said, but would it be okay if we, I'd, I'd love to know what she thought we were, because like, I'm alone, you know? <laughs> she's, like, she's probably thinking, <laughs> he's got friends. <laughs> yes, I do. I said, would it be okay if we just put our hand on your shoulder? Because what am I doing? Jesus couldn't heal, do many miracles in Nazareth except where he laid hands on them. What if people just came into our atmosphere and they're healed because we became so obsessed by him? I, I'm not telling her this, right? I'm just, and she goes, okay, you can put your hand on my shoulder. I'm just looking at her, like, you know, just smiling. Just five seconds. What am I doing? Practicing union with the Father. I, I'm pondering Galatians 2.20. I'm pondering John chapter 15, which says, I am the vine, you are the branch. I mean, here's a thought. Why do we spend so much time trying to become something that Jesus says we already are? Oh, I just... Chris, I just want to be a branch. I'm like, you already are. I don't know if we've got any grape growers here, but the fruit doesn't grow on the vine, it grows on the branch. It's the fruit-bearing part of the vine is the branch, and, you, and he says, you are the branch. I think we've got an identity issue because we're trying to become something that Jesus says you already are. So I just, hand comes off, and I said, how's that? And she said, I don't, know, I don't know what you just did. She said, but two things just happened. And I said, and they are. She goes, the first thing is, I am covered in goosebumps, right? From the top of my head to, the, to my feet. I am just, I can feel goosebumps just standing up all over me. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't say what I thought that was. I think it's the non-Christian term of recognizing the presence of Jesus, right? I just like, uh-huh. And the other, she goes, this is really hard to explain. She said, when you touched me, something lifted off me. And I'm like, uh-huh. I said, did you want some more of that? And she goes, yes, 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 do it again, do it again. <laughs> Hand goes back on the shoulder, practicing union with Jesus. Separation from God is an, is an illusion for the life of the believer. We spend so much time trying to tr chase God, you've already got God. Five seconds, take my hand, we, we take a hand off, and I said, how's that? And she goes, I, 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 I don't know how to explain this. She said, the first time you touched me, I felt something lift off. And she said, the second time you touched me, she said, that's the first time since the day of the accident that I've been without pain. She said, I cannot feel any pain. I am actually, she said, I got a dead leg through to my foot. 
screaming pain down my back, she said, and especially flying, I'm in intense pain. And she said, it's gone, first time. And I said, she goes, but we can't, I, she said, I can't test it out till we land. And I said, okay, we're gonna, we'll be landing soon. And I, I forgot about it, all right? I just like move on, pack my bag, ready to land. I'm in the middle seat on the right-hand side of the plane and she's on my left. Plane lands and she gets up and she walks out and I'm behind her. I walk up behind her and we walk to the plane door where the wheelchairs line up for people and she goes, Chris, I'm like, uh-huh. She goes, you see that wheelchair? Uh-huh. She goes, it's mine. It's what I live in and it's what brought me into this plane and thank you so much, I don't need it anymore. And she walks off and just left it there. I had her name on it. She just, walks, she just walks out of the plane and walks off. See, I'm talking about being so obsessed by Jesus. And what I was talking to you this morning about was the boldness of prayer. And have we reduced it to principles as opposed to living from the presence? I'm not against the principles. But I am about the presence. I believe that the Lord is looking for a generation of people that will stop treating sickness as if it's a lesson from God. He never sent sickness to teach you a lesson. He sent Jesus Christ to teach sickness a lesson. He's looking for a generation. He's looking for someone that would just believe that he is who he says he is. Luke 16, 16 says, When I return, will I find faith upon this earth? What's he looking for? He's looking for somebody that believes he is who he says he is. Maybe we're not seeing fruit because we're trying to heal people, but John 15 doesn't say, He who tries bears much fruit. It says, He who abides bears much fruit. What if we put Jesus back in the equation? What if we became so obsessed by him that we walk in somewhere and people get healed? It's possible. I know that you're, you're such an advocate for babies. I honor you. I honor your stand you've taken in this nation for standing for the innocent and standing for the unborn. Thank you. See, those two ladies that had babies, I started counting them. I lost count at 400. And I don't remember praying for really any of them. It has been obsessed by Jesus. Recognizing that your desires are his desires. Raising up a generation that's going to stop treating sickness as if it's a blessing from the Lord. Because that's not scriptural. There's nowhere in Scripture it says that it's a blessing from the Lord.
does he use does he use it for great things of course he does it doesn't mean he created it to use it uh, we'll close in a minute i hope this is okay i'm just sharing thoughts hebrews 1 3 says this he is the exact representation of the father meaning he jesus is the exact representation of the father if you want to know who the father if you want to know, anybody here want to know what the father's like look at jesus because when you look at the person of jesus you see the father and there's nowhere in scripture where we see jesus putting sickness upon someone to teach them a lesson There's nowhere in scripture where we see Jesus welcoming an earthquake or blessing a hurricane. Well, you don't have them here. You have tornadoes here, right? I was just, I was just in Levin. I drove right past where all those tornadoes and saw the buildings ripped up. It's like, see, there's nowhere in scripture where he blesses a tornado and welcomes an earthquake. What we see in the person of Jesus is that every storm he came into, he calmed. And every sick person that came to him, he healed. And every funeral he went to, he messed it up, including his own. See, I, I know that many of you can come and say, but what about this passage? And you'll take me to the Old Covenant. Everything in the Old Covenant was to point to a need that we needed a Savior. There's lots of things I don't understand in the Old Covenant, but what I do understand is the Lord saying, you need a savior and he's your role model. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the exact representation of a father. I, I believe with all of my heart we're going to see the greatest healing revival that this nation's ever seen. And it's, it's not going to come through me. It's going to come through us. I, I have given my life to this thing. It's cost me everything. But I don't like to talk about the cost because it's nothing compared to what it cost Jesus. I am, I am bent on putting the simplicity and the power of the gospel back in the church. That would come back to the simplicity of Christ. Because it's not your trying to get somebody healed, it's your abiding to get somebody healed. It's you knowing who you are, and it's knowing whose you are. That it's you knowing that you're in him, and he's in you. Because if I'm not teaching that, and I'm just teaching principles, I'm putting, hand, I'm putting a weapon in the hands of an orphan that will bear fruit but it won't be fruit that remains, and now your identity becomes in what you do as opposed to who you are. 
a whole message on that. It's, by the way, some, a lot of that is in apprehended identity, which there's still a few of them out there, which are, this, by the way, I, I've wanted to write this book for about eight years, and I actually wrote it, and I, I wrote a chapter, and I read it, and I'm like, gosh, I just threw punches the whole way through that passage. That whole chapter is just like punch, 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 and I'm like, it's actually quite rude. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm only going to get myself in trouble, right? So I threw it out, and I wrote myself into a corner. So I threw it out, and ah, it's not the season to write. And I sat on it for about six years, and, and I, I, went, I went big game fishing over COVID. You guys had lockdown. We, we have, you know, you have Bunnings here, right? Ours is called Home Depot over there. Home Depot was an essential service. I was allowed to go to Home Depot. I went there five times a day through lockdown. <laughs> I went fishing eight times in the Gulf of Mexico. I'd just take a flight and get there because you're still allowed to fly. You have to wear your mask. You don't now. I, just, I went fishing eight times in the Gulf of Mexico. I went big game fishing. I just love catching big fish. I was just there a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. I caught a 32-pound snapper. And I, I get on the flight to fly from Pensacola Airport back to San Francisco, and the Lord says to me, write the book. And I said, I don't want to. I told you I negotiate with God, right? He always wins, but we negotiate. Right? He goes, write the book. And I said, yeah, when I get home. And he goes, no, write the book. And I said, God, I don't have my computer on me. And he said, I never asked you whether you had your computer. I asked you to write the book. I pulled out my, I hate writing on iPad, right? I pulled out my iPad. By the time I landed in San Francisco, I'd written 25% of this. And I said to my wife, I'm not a great writer. I'm a slow writer, right? Because I'm very methodical. I don't, like, I don't like excess words in a book. I get straight to the point with every chapter. And I got home and I said to my wife, I'm going to write 1,000 words a day for 40 days. I can cope with 1,000. And she goes, okay. I sat down and I wrote 7,000 words a day for five days and the book was done. And in seven days, I sent it to the editor. He had it back to me in three days. It said, it's exceptional. I had the artwork being worked on while the book was being edited. And 30 days from the day I boarded the plane in Pensacola, it came out. It's called Apprehended Identity, Taking Back What Was Stolen. It's time that we come into our rightful inheritance of understanding who we are. The enemy has stolen too much. And it is time to take our identity back. And it's time for us to rise as sons and daughters of God. Because you're not an orphan. See, how obsessed by him are you? I am so obsessed by Jesus. I, I don't say this in any, please don't hear this wrong. I can no longer go to church to put a tick in the box to say, done my chore for the week. Do I love the church? Yep. I've preached between five, three and 500 times a year for the last 14 years. Don't tell me I don't love the church. I love the church. But Jesus didn't go through all he went through so we can just do church. I 
I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for this is a newer relationship, but I'm so thankful for knowing Pastor Seth. I've spoken with conferences with him before and in Paru and he's friends with Connection in Germany where I've been and I'm so thankful, man, he like that man is possessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed, he's possessed. It's time to shift our mindset. I'm after one thing. Healing revival. I, I have committed with the Lord. I don't care what it costs me. That's what I'm here for. I'm not after reputation. I'm not here to be politically correct. I'm here for one thing and one thing only, to see the saints arise, that we would see the people begin to fear God because of his goodness, of the extraordinary miracles that are about to happen in this nation. And they're not going to just happen through me. They're going to happen through us. We've already ministered to those that can't get pregnant. I want you. I want you to stand if you have uh, if you have an area of neuropathy in your body. You got neuropathy going on. I want you to stand up. If you don't know what it is, you probably don't have it. I, I want you to stand up if you have if you have arthritis going on and it doesn't matter where it is, you got you know, hands or in your spine or neck, you got arthritis going on, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up if you have uh ringing in your ears. I want you to stand up if you have, uh, um, like, the, how do I describe this? You've got an ongoing, an ongoing issue in your head as a result of an accident, like um, trauma or trauma in the head, like, you know, like a, a knock to the head or, you know, an accident or, you know, a, not necessarily a car accident, but you've had a blow to the head and you've got trauma going on in your head. Why don't you stand up if, you've got, if you know you've got post-traumatic stress disorder as well. I see, I see an issue with a, uh, a, a retina of the eye. Has someone got a, 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 like a, a detached retina or a detaching retina in your eye? Why don't you stand up if it's you? The, the gentleman this morning, uh, was that you? Was that you this morning? That came up here and gave out some words? You need to be a part of what I'm doing. I'm going to hunt you down. 
I need someone that's going to stand up and take a risk like that. It's like, man, that's what this nation needs. You called this word out this morning, and I call it out again because I felt a real something on it. Is there's people that are suffering with migraines. Now, it doesn't mean you've got one now, but you've got an ongoing occurrence of migraines. Now, now I, I want to now please please hear me in this, right? I, Jesus healed all. He didn't heal where there was a word of, just where there was a word of knowledge. And sometimes we come to a healing meeting and it's like, oh, 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 he called my word. It's my night. No, it's your night regardless, whether your word's called or not. We think, oh, he didn't call my word. I guess it's not my night. It's not my time. No, that's not biblical. If you came tonight and you know that you need breakthrough in your body, I want you to stand. We'll, we'll pray for you if we have to, okay? Can we just be obsessed by Jesus for a minute? Can we just close our eyes? And I, I just want you to just ponder on, you know, perfect love is not how much you love him, it's how much he loves you. I, I just want you to ponder upon his love for you, of what he paid for you. And I want you to say this with me. Healing is mine because of what Jesus paid for. Say it again. Healing is mine because of what Jesus paid for. It's not about what I've done. It's not about what I haven't done. It's about what he's done. Healing is mine because of what Jesus has paid for. I, I want you to just like, I don't want you looking around. I, I just want you to position yourself in the place of receiving, right? However you do that. I mean, we're all different. I mean, the way I do that is I just like sit on my lounge suite and think, oh, oh, Jesus, you love me. I, I just sensed, I just saw a thought flying through someone's head. It's like, oh, I, I don't, 
I'm not, I'm not worthy to be healed. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You are worthy to be healed because you're paid for with a price. That price was the blood of Jesus. Come boldly to the throne of grace at the time of need. There's nowhere in Scripture that Jesus asked the Father to heal someone. He just did it. There's actually nowhere in Scripture where Jesus taught on healing. He just did it. And he said, you go do the same. I'm talking about being obsessed by Jesus. He is everything to me. I dream about him, I think about him. I go to bed with him on my lips, I wake up thinking about him. I go bike riding every day, I ride six kilometers every day on my bike, I think about him. I just ponder on how amazing he is. His heart that he has for me and his heart that he has for humanity. His heart that he has for this nation. His heart that the, the heart that he has just to want to see people healed. There's a presence here. His presence is always available to heal. Psalm 107 verse 20, it says this. He said, he sent his word and healed them. What if we didn't have to pray? What if we just aligned ourselves to the word? He sent his word and healed them. If you've got arthritis in your body, he sent his word and healed you. Test it out right now. Without being prayed for, begin to test it out. He sent his word and healed them. Test it right now. You to get out and just begin to move it, like test it. He sent his word and healed you. You heard the word. It's about putting the ease back into the Christian life. It's putting the reality of the power of the gospel back in the Christian life. Test it out right now. Is anybody here that's lost their smell, maybe because of COVID and never got it back? It's you. 
Anybody else over there? Anybody else <clears throat> over there? He sent his word and healed you. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. Has anybody got an orange? Anyone got an orange, the fruit, an orange in church? Anyone got an orange in their bag? Of course you do. It's like, I've probably done this 800 times in churches, and there's only been two churches where someone didn't have an orange. I'm like, why do people, not, why do people bring oranges to church? Do you have one? Yeah, I want, I want your orange. I'm not kidding. I want your orange. I have so much faith. And not bad for a left-hand catch, is it? Thank you. I knew someone would have an orange in church. That wasn't set up. Those that can't smell, would you just come to the front? Did you lose it from COVID? It doesn't matter if you did. Okay. COVID? COVID? After a heavy cold. About 25 years ago. A number of years ago, I was in Auckland preaching. And I lined everybody up who couldn't smell. And I come to the first lady and I said, "Um, how long have you not been able to smell? And she goes, "Uh, 50 years. And I said, what happened? And she said, it's, it's a funny story. She said, I was a nurse. And I'm like, uh-huh. And she goes, one night I was changing a, ma- a man's bedpan. And I said, oh, this stuff stinks. I wish I didn't have to smell it. It's gone. Just like that. Life and death. Life and death in the power of the tongue. She got it back. Just like that. It's in Switzerland. The Swiss are very conservative. And, and I'd, heard a, I'd heard a whisper that a lady had been healed of 65 years of no smell. She'd had all the pieces that smell surgically. Everything was removed. All the senses, it was all been removed. I'd heard a whisper that she'd been healed. I hadn't heard it directly. And I said, where's the lady? I said, I heard a, I heard a testimony. There's a lady here that was last night that was healed of 65 years and not been able to smell. She goes, it's me. And I said, come up and tell your testimony. <laughs> she comes up, she takes the microphone, and it's been translated, right, into Swiss German, and they're translating it to me. And I said, what's she saying? What's she saying? And they're like, she's saying that last night someone prayed for her, and she instantly got all of her smell back. And she said, and I said, and then she kept talking. And I said, what's she saying now? What's she saying now? And she said, right after she got it, she's telling a crowd of 700 people this, she said right after she got her smell back, she said she needed to go to the bathroom. She's telling the crowd. And she said, I went to the bathroom and I'm in the cubicle and I'm needing to do number twos. And she said, I'm sitting in the cubicle doing number twos. And she's like, what the heck's that smell? <laughs> and she said, then I realized it was me and I'm so embarrassed because I had no idea that stuff stunk. I've got lots of funny stories. Tell you funny stories all night. He sent his word and healed you. He sent his word and healed you, ma'am. He sent his word and healed you. He sent his word and healed you.
He sent his word and healed you. Close your eyes, just so I don't shoot orange juice in your eyes. I can smell it, yeah. Yes, I can smell it. Mm, I can smell it. Did we pray for them? He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed you. Right now, I want you to begin to test out what you could not do right now. Do it. Move it. If there's something you can do, move it right now. Okay, if, if you know that something's happening in your body, I want you to lift your hand right now. Begin to raise your hand right across this room. You know, something is happening or happened, including you guys. Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. We, we haven't prayed yet, right? We'll pray if we have to. I, I want you to turn to someone next to you. Find someone that's standing next to you. And I very quickly find out what's wrong with them. And I want you to treat it like it's a trespasser on their body, right? Just but pray the answer, right? You don't need to yell, right? Just lay hands on them, find out what they need, and lay hands on them and, just, and begin to practice union and just speak healing upon them right now. Go. I sense there's someone here that has a, has like a, um, I don't think it's an abscess, but like a, a pain or something under the tooth. It may be an abscess, but something going on under the, under a tooth. Who's that? He sent his word and healed you. Test it out right now. There's, there's people that had blows to the head. I already called this out before. You've had a, you've had a blow to the head. You've got a head injury. You know whether it's called, whether it's caused um, mental torment or anxiety or whatever it's created. It's like the Lord wants to heal you right now. I want you, as soon as you're being prayed for, I want you to begin to test it out. Just begin to, if there's some way you can test it out, I want you to test it out. 
arthritis. We just speak your healing grace to flow through this room right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we just declare your healing grace, that you're the Father of restoration. You speak your healing grace to flow into this room and to flow through bodies. There's somebody that has, uh, there's somebody that has no, no cartilage in your, in your hips. Your cartilage is worn down in your hips. Who's that? In the hips or knees. There's a lack of cartilage. It's like bone on bone. Is she, why don't you just step into the aisle and just test it out? Just step out. It's improving. Of course it is. Just step out again. Just, just take a step out into the aisle. He sent his word and healed you. He's the God of restoration. <clears throat> How's that? keeps improving just go for, go for a little walk go, we'll just walk around Okay. If you, if you know that you've got breakthrough or you're, you're a breakthrough in progress uh, something's happening, would you just raise your hand raise it nice and high and wave out to me it's a nice little pocket over here this is like the pocket to go and stand <laughs> bless you there and there and there bless you, bless you, bless you bless you, bless you Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Okay, put your, put your hand on your heart. See, healing is mine because of what Jesus paid for. Now, now listen, I, I, I need to close, but I want to say this. This is really important to me. A huge proportion of healings, I've been at this 25 years, a huge proportion of them I find out about after. Right? And I find out about them after because there's a lot of people that get healed as they go. Right? It's just, history tells me they get healed when they go. Now, <clears throat> in the, when Jesus was on this earth and he would heal someone, he would say to them, go show yourself to the high priest. I, I'm sorry, go show yourself to the priest. What was the purpose to show yourself to the high priest. Evidence. Mm -hmm. So the, the priest could declare it over them. Who's the priest in the new covenant? <clears throat> He's the high priest. We're the priest. I spoke that to at a conference and I said, you've got to speak it over yourself. A woman goes home with a missing tooth. She's staying in a hotel. It was at a conference. Declared it over herself. I'm the high priest. I, I'm sorry, not the high priest. I'm the priest. We're definitely not the high priest. <laughs> Heretic. I'm the priest. I declare it over myself. 
she goes to bed, wakes up with a brand new tooth. The, the woman, you're like this one, had bowel cancer. I'm the priest. I'm going to declare it over myself. She, I actually pray for her. She feels nothing. I feel nothing. She declares it over herself. She goes to the hotel, sits on the toilet, and it falls out. She bought me a photo the next day. It's nasty. I said, can I take a photo of that? And she said, no, you can't. <laughs> Healing is mine because of what Jesus paid for. Healing is mine because of what Jesus paid for. There's not one person in this room that's not worthy to be healed. I, I, I tell you, I believe that many of you are going to wake up tomorrow morning and your ailments are going to be gone. Many of you are going to walk out of here and by the time you get to the car, we'll be healed. Now, here's what, here's what you can't do. You can't walk out and say, well, that didn't work for me tonight, did it? You just disconnected from the source. You've got to walk out saying, healing is mine because of what Jesus has paid for. I am a weapon of righteousness in God's hands that's about to remind the devil of the bad day he's about to have. Stay connected to the source and watch what happens. Amen? Amen. We, 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 we need to finish, but can we do one more thing? Can we stand together? I, I, have, I have such a heart to teach healing. I haven't been teaching it tonight. I've been teaching union. I have such a heart to teach healing. I, 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 believe that, I, I believe that there's two main reasons for lack of miracles today. When I say today, I mean in this generation. One is they contradict each other, so I'll let you work it out. Lack of revelation of the heart of the Father. We'd never, we'd never need to teach the theology of healing if we had a revelation of the heart of the Father. Your faith can only extend to your understanding of the goodness of God. Reason number two, bad theology. The church has generally got bad theology because we've built our theology around experience rather than this. It's his time. It is his will. There's no divine purpose in you being sick. It's not about your performance. It's his will. It's not if it be your will, it is his will. You recognize, you, you know, he didn't heal the man. He said, if it be your will, until the confusion and the question is cleared up because the man was confused. He clears the confusion up first and then he heals the man. The disciples bring a boy to Jesus and they say, 
Jesus, we, we prayed for him, but he didn't get healed. Did you notice Jesus didn't say, well, if you prayed for him and he didn't get healed, I guess it's not the Father's will, send him away. He says, bring him to me. Why? Because Jesus is the will of the Father. Because his name is his will. I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals.